like we're live here so um welcome to another uh sunday live sunday live number 44 let me check everything make sure we're good um so i'm also uh maybe i've mentioned before i'm, I'm uh, bringing out the live stream here again so um live stream or um podcast rather So um, I'm going to hang out a little bit, uh, talk about some tunes, uh, talk about some um, ideas I have for, for what's coming up and play around a little bit. So um, a couple kind of cool things I just want to um, mention right here uh, from from the beginning. Um, so I um, released a bit of a video on uh, Alone Together, and so ho hopefully you're enjoying that. Um, seems like a lot of folks have have watched it, getting pretty pretty good amount of views. And um, I have some plans to to um, maybe talk about some ways to harmonize some of those melodies, melody notes. So um, we'll see how that goes. Um, I started creating some slides and things, so um, so I might. I might do a little bit of that. We'll see, see how this week uh, progresses. I also like to do a melody video on uh, my one and only love. Uh, so we featured that uh, tune, and uh, this past week analyzed it and um, talked talked about that. Um, I also wanted to mention um, or talk a little bit today about uh, Pat Martino who. Passed away, I believe it was on Monday. It's past Monday. Um, so a really um, 
big name for guitarists and uh, jazz fans. Um, so um, I thought I'd talk a little bit about him and um, I really like the way he thought about um, or approached the guitar. Um, sometimes in some videos he would mention it, um, you know, as, as sort of like a, like a, a another like toy or something um, in a sense that, you know, you kind of play with it and you, you know, it's sort of like a puzzle um, in a lot of respects, or at least that's how I'm, I'm, I'm perceiving what, what he said, um, you know, and, and so I really like that, that perspective on things. Um, so to, to take it and, and, you know, play with it. I mean, we do play guitar, um, but to, to take it and think about, um, uh, exploring it and, and learning more. It's kind of, um, I think kind of a good perspective on it. Um, so let me share a little bit, maybe before I go and talk about him too much, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about, um, or not too much, but I mean, before I get to that part of things, um, maybe what I'll do is, um, talk a little bit about this. I've actually talked about this in the past a couple of times, but I was researching um, a little bit more about him and I found some some more things that are kind of similar. So let's take, um, let's take this concept here. Um, let's say we have a, um, an augmented triad. So sometimes what he would talk about and, and what, what he might convey was was um, taking some symmetry, something that was kind of symmetric in nature, and then um, using that. Uh, I think he used the language of parent groupings. Um, but um, you take something like this. Okay, let's say we have C augmented triad, or the kind of cool thing about this is you have kind of a C augmented, E augmented. G sharp augmented. Um, so you can think of terms of those three different root notes or just think of them as inversions that all look the same, you know, kind of have that same contour. So then, um, then you'd say, you know, take a note and lower it. So a lot of times I get this kind of question like, why would you do this and what does it matter? <laughs> um, so, uh, which are valid questions, but, um, so I guess maybe I'll talk about that first. Um, part of it is just like exploring the phenomenon of, of music and sound. And so you're just doing it for the sake of doing it, I guess you could say. Um, but also we're going to find, um, three tonal centers here and find their relative major and minor. So, it might help you gain some insights. We'll see. So let's say we take this top note, lower it a half step, and then we get a root position C major triad. See where I am here.
So let's go back to that augmented triad. So keep in mind that C major um, that we just talked about, not, not this one, but take this note and bump it up a half step. And we get an A minor triad in first inversion. So you get a, a relative major, a relative minor, and a key of no sharps, no flats. All from, you know, start this as a starting point, and then you're and then you're kind of exploring it from there. Let's take this other other note. I'll lower it a half step. Keep the other notes just like we did before. So we get A flat major, first inversion. I'm borrowing these two on the fourth, fourth fret, first two strings, and then second finger on the third string, fifth fret. We get A flat major, first inversion. So let's go back to that augmented triad. So let's take the second string here and bump that up a half step, keep the other notes. F minor triad, second inversion. Okay, so those are, are the relative major and the relative minor in the key of four flats, right? So that's, that's kind of cool, right? Back to the augmented triad. So we'll try one, one more of these. Right? So we take third string here, lower that a half, half step. Okay. E major. Second inversion. Go back. Uh, let's say we um, raise this lower note up a half step, keep the other ones. We get um, a root position C sharp minor. So we get E and C sharp minor. Those are both um, key of four sharps, the relative major and relative minor. So that's a pretty cool, like, uh, you know, little phenomenon there where you get, um, you get all the, all the inversions of triads, you get, um, major and minor triads. Um, and also you kind of see the, um, you get to see the relative minor and major, uh, of each one. So, um, Pretty kind of cool little um, little thing that you could try try out. You could do that um, in different different spots all over the neck. You know, take take augmented triads all over all over the place. Actually, you know, if you if you go, you only get what four of these before they start repeating again. Um, so that's kind of cool. You could do that on four augmented triads and just go through that as an exercise and have like every every triad and an inversion, you know, at least major and minor, well, and augmented, right? So you could you know do different string groups too. So.
So that's pretty cool. Um, and then this book I was reading earlier, which was, um, what was it? Creative, um, it's actually in the description here. So, um, look, Creative Force. There's a book one and two. Um, I put book one in the, um, in the description. It, it is an affiliate link. Um, so, um, so he does kind of a similar, as I was reading that, uh, this morning as, as I was preparing for this talk and, um, and I thought, oh yeah. So he, he talks about that with the diminished seventh, um, and, um, oh, thanks John for, for writing in. Thanks for watching. Um, so he talks about the diminished seven. So I'm going to talk about this in a minute and give you a couple, couple examples, um, where he talks about this as like a parent, um, group. So you take a dominant seventh chord, which is another symmetrical kind of thing. Um, and, um, it kind of works it, works it out. Um, so we might do something similar there. We get a four note, you know, four note groups, but. So um, uh, another tune I've been uh, thinking about doing. So the last last couple of weeks we did was that we did uh, girl talk, uh, alone together, and then my one and only love. I haven't done a melody video on that, but um, um, I hopefully we'll get that going pretty soon. I've had a couple of pretty busy weeks, maybe even a few busy weeks. Um, so um, it's been a little bit. I've had a little bit less uh, coming out than I, than I like, but I have actually committed like um, a good amount of time that I've, I've squared away for um, some of these member videos. So, um, so I have been doing quite a lot of that. Um, so I've been thinking about um, Along Came Betty because I've been thinking about uh, Pat Martino this week, obviously, um, uh, because of, of the news of him, uh, his passing. and. Um, and so I've been thinking about some of his repertoire. Um, he wrote a lot of tunes. He um, played like Along Came Betty. So Along Came Betty is this one I've been kind of playing around with the different sections of it, um, which is what I've been kind of playing around with so far here on the live stream. Um, so um, so Along Came Betty is an, another tune that I've thought about. Um, maybe featuring this week. And, um, I think I have done a video on that. I think it's been a while, but, um, I think I did do a bit, at least, at least one video on that, probably more, but, um, uh, it's kind of cool changes, you know, we get this B flat minor seven, and then this bit of a two five there. So we can, um, you know, improvising on that, Um, 
getting that shift happening. So. to A major A flat 7 I'm going to try to kind of refresh my memory on that a little bit that's sort of a tough passage to improvise maybe too so So then it kind of starts this other pattern there. So, so here, oh. right? So, me G major. So, so this is something that I've been talking about a little bit too, which is, um, um, in private lessons and, and also just on, on uh, YouTube in general is this idea of um, the third and the seven the third and the seven of a dominant seventh chord is a tritone interval which is a, another symmetry in music or another um, spot where you the inverse is the same interval right as as your first um, motion so so if you cut it you can kind of interchange the uh, the root note right so this kind of you might you know oftentimes we think of d7 going to g major um, but here we have a flat seven so that's similar kind of uh, phenomenon too there. Hi Cyan. Um good good to see you back. Um so there we you know we can kind of think about thing I've been working on emphasizing for my own benefit too um, is the idea of uh, working on like one single change or two two chords so one thing you might do as far as practicing um, which I do as well is um, kind of go back and forth between uh, two two chords, which would give us um, one change, right? So um, we might think, okay, this is kind of maybe a tough change there. So that's that's something you know we could just just work on going isolating that going back and forth because kind of the 
danger is um is trying to well let's say you get into like having only like one solution or one thing to say on a certain certain change and then that can limit you so um so if you can play and on different strings different positions playing that same playing that same change um, just try to you know do it over the whole range of the instrument you know, that can be a really um, um, useful and a worthwhile thing to do is um, is to practice one change uh, two chords, and you can do that with um, uh, chord voicings. You can do that with melodic playing. You can do that with a lot of different uh, kinds of things. So um, let's check out a little bit about um, Pat Martino. Uh, and uh, if you know a lot about Pat Martino, um, welcome your comments or if you have any questions. Um, so let's check him out a little bit. Uh, so Pat Martino and I had a had a student who went to see went to see him, I think it was like three years ago or maybe more. Um, I think I think Joey D Francesco was playing with him. Um, so um, um, I don't think I've ever seen him live. I, I wish I had, um, especially now, but. Um, um, I've listened to a lot of him, so. Oh, thanks, John. So, um, born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, so many great jazz players have come from, from there, Philadelphia. Um, born in 1944. Um, his playing, if if I were to kind of characterize it just just as first impressions, um, the thing I would say is that you kind of get this this very continuous um, um, group of of notes that are kind of rapid fire. Um, so, um, on a technical point of view, um, you know. I, really admire you know obviously his his lines and and everything we we have done a little bit of um analysis on his um his playing i think we we did a we um did an analysis on his uh just friends one of his recordings there um that's from the jazz guitar omni book if you're looking for that um but the the picking hand um just really fluid and, and steady. Um, and that's one aspect of, of playing that, that I, I admire, um, you know, just aside from his overall musicianship and everything. So, um, there was, there's a really interesting story about him. It's, it's really unfortunate, but, um, 
but it is very interesting um, that he had a, an, a medical issue. It looks like um, 1980. So he had um, like a seizure and suffered from amnesia. And as, as far as I understand, understand, which is what they talk about here too, is that he had like no recollection of, of even like being a guitar player or even like how to play the guitar. So um, from what I understand, he had to like completely reteach himself how to, how to do it. Um, so that's, that's just an incredible, um, incredible thing to overcome, you know, um, you know, and the, this is, this, or this was his, you know, profession. So, I mean, how, how devastating, um, is that, you know, and, um, and so that's, that's just such a big thing, you know, for him to overcome that. And then, um, um, and then, unfortunately, the last, I think, couple of years of his life, he um, had some health problem, problems, respiratory problems, and uh, um, um, that was, uh, from my impression, very challenging as well. So, um, you know, um, so I, you know, I wish his family well and his wife um, his wife, uh, the best. Um, so, um, I'm, I'm pretty interested in this. They, they mentioned this, um, on the Wikipedia page, a study of opposites and how they manis- manifest on guitar. Um, so I'd be really interested in seeing that that was from 2017. Um, so pretty, uh, sounds very interesting to me. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, got a message from Cyan funny. Um, there's so many examples of great guitarists having to relearn everything. Yeah. Like Pat and Django. Yeah. So Django, um, was involved, I think in a, in a fire, right. And, um, uh, lost a lot of the, like maybe most of the function of his, uh, um, fretting hand. So, um, yeah, I think he, after that could only play with maybe one or two fingers. I'm not sure the details on that, but that's true. And, um, and recently, um, Mike Stern, um, took a fall due to some poorly marked or, or maybe a even completely unmarked construction in New York took a real bad fall and, and damaged both of his hands, like the nerves in his hands and, um, and he's been overcoming that. Um, so, um, so yeah, absolutely. So here's another little thing and that I think folks might have fun playing uh playing around with another little concept to throw out there um and this is um i'm getting this kind of from from pat martino um 
that's that's kind of where the the source of this is. I mean, I'm kind of taking. Uh, I took a, a brief glance at at a at his book, one of his books, and um, sort of tied this into um, the video I saw of him doing that augmented thing. I, I didn't get that from a book. That was sort of a video that he did. So I'm not sure what the link is, but I'm sure it's out there on YouTube somewhere. But let's do kind of the same thing on um, uh, diminished sevenths, a similar kind of phenomenon, you might say. So um, let's see. I think I worked out which which key I wanted to use. So let's say we have a F diminished seventh chord. Okay. And I'm playing this in seventh position here. So first finger on third string, uh, seventh fret, second finger on fifth string, um, eighth fret, and third finger on string four, ninth fret, fourth finger on string two, ninth fret. So so that's our that's our shape. So the language he used, particularly for this one, was a like a parent group, which which I think, the, from what I I'm gonna have to read that book more, but um, um, I think he's saying you could uh, you you know you could apply this to arpeggios or all sorts of things, but this will be our our bit of an exercise based on on his his concept that he was talking about. Very really interesting. So let's say let's say we take this chord and we lower this tone a half step or one fret Let's see what we get okay so we have a g7 chord in uh, third inversion okay so let's go back to our parent group here, parent chord. Let's take that high note and um, bump it up a half step. Okay, so now we get um, B half diminished, second inversion. And you could do this with all, all sorts of chords. I'm just going to point this one out because it's sort of just similar to the one we just did with the moving one fret or half step, but you don't have to limit yourself to these. Um, so what's the relationship between those two chords before I go on? Um, well, they're very, pretty, very similar sounds, right? The G7 and the B minor 7 flat 5. You know, if you take first inversion of G7, compare it to this B minor 7 flat 5, it's very similar and you could think of it as a substitution or um, however you want to use it. But okay, so that's that's kind of kind of interesting because we found a relationship with those augmented with that augmented exercise too. Okay, so how about this one? So Take the third string, kind of do the same thing. So if we lower that a half step, we get a first inversion of the um, C sharp seven. Okay. 
Let's go back to our original voicing here. So if we bump that up a half step, we get the, uh, I'd say E sharp half diminished. You could also think of this as D flat seven and F half diminished. Okay, so all that from, you know, taking this chord and changing some things around. Let's keep going. Um, and this will be on for replay. So if you want to check this out and try it out, um, you could always pause the video and stuff. So let's take this and say, take this four string. Let's lower that half step. Okay, so we get a B flat seven and second inversion. It's a B flat. So let's bring back, bring back that chord again. F diminished seven. Let's bump this one up. Okay, so we get first inversion of D minor seven flat five. Right? So all these kind of end up having the same relation to each other, third apart there. Major third apart. All right, so let's take the lowest note here. Bump that down a half step. We get root position E7. And let's go back here. So take this note up a half step. So we get G sharp half diminished. So that's sort of the same kind of relationship there as well. So that's a pretty cool, cool thing. You know, if you're, um, if you don't have those shapes all together, um, that might be an accessible way or a way that's, um, it has a kind of easy logical thing that you can do to it. Um, and you end up with um, root positions and three inversions and two chord, two types of chords. Um, and you could just say, oh, I'm, I just want to work on the dominant seventh right now. And um, you just say, okay, I want to work on dominant seventh. So just take these notes and, you know, lower practice, lowering each one a half step just learned like four inversions um so the the thing there though is that you're learning um all of them in different different keys so so be aware of that as well Thank you. 
could take some um oh, i'm glad to hear that john thanks um so let's say you take an arpeggio you could kind of do the same thing take an arpeggio of a diminished chord and then lower lower one tone a half step or just kind of keep playing around with it and just keep sort of playing Actually, that gives us kind of a nice voice leading sort of thing, doesn't it? So it's interesting. I was I was um, kind of warming up a little bit uh, for for today's. Uh, talk, which I try to usually do. Sometimes I don't, but um, but I was a lot of times I'll do these chromatic kind of exercises um, just to kind of get the fingers moving and all that. Um, but if you take, you know, take a let's say you use four fingers, like all on one string. Your lowest and highest note kind of form these um, diminished sort of shapes. So. Um, analyzing giant steps um, that that ties in perfectly to some applications that that this is really. Um, um good for um so yeah thanks for mentioning that um yeah maybe i will do a video analysis on giant steps i'd, I'd love to do that um so um the this would be you know particularly um you know helpful so let's say um say you like say you do this augmented triad here g augmented you could really you could kind of reach those those tonalities right so if um i'll say start with b right so b uh g and then we get to b flat right um 
So, so yeah, absolutely, those could really help. And then could put kind of fives in front of that. So it really kind of ends on the E flat, but I'm um, bringing it back up to the to the B there. That's another real interesting thing that you could um, work on there too. Is is thinking about you know that would strengthen you know the inversions of things. Maybe think about moving from chord kind of chord to chord using inversions and things. Kind of smooth voice leading. Or actually. doing very basic chords there um, so I'll be doing some um, different kinds of shapes um, and things there as well yeah I will can I will consider doing that I think that would be that would be a good one. Um, check out. So that yeah. So that ties into you know the key centers of of that are all right in the augmented triad. You know, we have the B E flat G. Those are those are kind of the three. Um, and then there's an, another uh, Coltrane tune called Central Park West, which visits. Um, Kind of key centers that are not necessarily a major third apart, but have that sort of symmetry, um, and they're uh, like a minor third um, apart from um, from one another. So that ties in kind of the, to the diminished seventh sort of um, thing as well. All right, everybody. Well, I'm going to hang out for um, a couple couple of minutes and um, so I'll, I'll mention some a little more maybe about um, Pat Martino but let me know if you have any last minute questions or anything um, 
So says Martina stated, there are elements within an instrument's architecture that initiate a continuous source of valuable information. Um, so yeah, my, my kind of takeaway from that statement is, um, is that, um, you know, you kind of study the instrument and, and can kind of basically learn, you know, a lot about music from that. Um, you know, like on guitar, we have a lot of contours and shapes, kind of patterns, things like that. Um, so for the guitar, um, there are two. Um, I'm not sure if there was more in the statement. Um, I'm not sure exactly where that's coming from, but um, but he says uh, the first is a major third interval and second is the minor third interval. So that ties in a little bit to what we were talking about, right? Because major thirds, that's the augmented triad. Um, minor thirds, that's the diminished seventh arpeggio. So, um, so there's a little bit of... Um, of maybe what he's getting at there. Um, and then taking some of those and changing them into, you know, maybe major thirds or minor thirds. So this is an interesting statement. I'll have to think about, about this more. Um, um, I'm just laughing because I'm not totally grasping what he's saying. Um, so I'm not, I'm not laughing at him necessarily. Um, once we view their repetitive information, uh, they begin to appear as a series of automatic functions. Okay. So I'll have to do some uh, reflecting on that, but that may tie in to a little bit to what we um, what we were talking about. So um, all right, well, I hope everybody has enjoyed this talk. Um, And um, I hope you can uh, take what you will from it and uh, enjoy it. And uh, hopefully um, can um, stimulate some, some of your own insights uh, or, or give my own perspective on, on things to, to help folks out. All right. Um, oh, you're most welcome, John. Um, thank you for watching today. See everybody in the next one.